on a Sunday morning, uh, we gather to pray for what is happening right now, and, and it's really prophetic. God speaks, and uh, it's like a fire room, really. And um, God spoke to me, and has been speaking to me, and I've just kind of taken disciplines when God is speaking to take my phone out, uh, you know, and just to pull to a corner and just start writing down what God is saying, and this comes from that. Um, but also, just to let you know about delivery of a message, you will often think how I deliver it is the next 30 minutes and how key that is. For me, it's about preparation, and, and I've had a clarity of this message. I have to say, it is like a, a line that God's given me really clear uh, that I have for you, and I want to do it the best way I can. So the, the message, I feel, is clear, but the pressure to deliver it is somewhat challenging, particularly when God is speaking, because as God is speaking, there's also another voice that's trying to undermine the voices of God. Who experiences that in their life? There is a battle, there's a wrestle, and the week I often come into delivery, I, I've, last time I've preached, I've come up against a physical battle against me, personally, my identity in order to deliver it. So I get these two tensions. One, I, I know what God wants to say. And two, I have something that says, sit down, shut up. What you've got to say, Aaron, is irrelevant. Don't put that out. And so this is a really exciting thing. So if you understand spiritual dynamics, that's what's going on at the same time. And it's not offensive. And also to say our mission statement starts with our adventure. For those who feel the call to go to Kenya on our adventure, can you see Janet after the service? So already we have people signed up. I'm on the team to go on the Kenyan adventure. If you want to go, just say to Ken, how can I get onto that adventure? Because we have discovered when we travel for Jesus, all sorts of things happen. You know, and we want to kind of create moments where we carry a plan of God. Uh, and so we're looking to do that in September. See Janet straight after the service because she is getting together. For those who signed up, she's got a nice printout and lots of details. If you know Janet well, uh, that is fantastic. Now, um, I'm going to launch into this, but to start this, I want you to think who your childhood hero was, all right? So uh, that could be a a movie star, it could be a movie character, a cartoon character, uh, depending on how old you want to go that. We all know Gareth um, is, is, what is it? It's WWF hero, not Hulk Hogan, Bret the Hart. Oh, I remember him, isn't it? You know, if you knew WWF. Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. So just say to the person next to you who your childhood hero was. <clears throat> who inspired you? good. So the noise means there's lots of heroes in the place. Who, who was told a hero that your first response, your face didn't show this, but your brain went, what? <laughs> Who'd like to throw out some heroes? Dan Dare. Dan? I do know Dan Dare. Anybody remember Dan Dare? Yes, isn't it? You know, I was brought up in a house without a TV, so I <laughs> lots of read, read lots of things. Who else? Somebody said Terry. Who? Terry who? Terry Hollis. Terry Hollis. He's a weightlifter, isn't it? You, anybody got Terry? Shares the same. You've got, you like Terry as well, do you? Diana. Princess Diana. Who likes me? You had a hero as Princess Diana, yes? Barry Sheen. <laughs> my, my, my next door neighbour, his hero was Barry Sheen. Anybody else? Come on. 
Your dad. Ah, Simon, stand up. Where are you, Simon? Are you in the house? You're hero in the house. <laughs> Some of you are going, I wish I'd have said that. That's a much better answer, isn't it? You know. Who, who said a teacher? Oh. <laughs> That's a bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So what heroes are all about, people we, we hold in our, our early developmental years, by the way. And, and it's interesting, on, there's a lot of study done on us, that they appeal to our ideals of what we want to be like. And they actually speak into the vision for our, our life. Um, I want to tell you about one hero that I have that changes my life because it, it outbeats any other hero that you can put on the table and that hero is Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. He has designed me way before my mum and dad had an idea about me. He put every one of my days into being. He loved me from the beginning. He loves me when I go wrong. He shaped me every day in the stage of my life. He has never left me. He's never abandoned me. He's never disappointed in me. He only pulls his grace and his wonder out of my life. And that is for eternity. And I have not my any character, either fiction or real, who can beat the standard that is Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning about Jesus. And what his plans has got for your life. Because I want you to know that Jesus has destined you. He has designed you. He is developing you. He is about to deploy you in order to make a difference in our life. You know, And we're going to walk through the journey today. And um, Catherine de Siena, she, she was a, a leading woman, philosopher, theologian um, in, in the mid-1500s. Uh, and she said this, be who God meant you to be. And you will set the world on fire. Who wants to be that today? I want to be who God has called me to be. And right from the end, I'm just discovering that. I'm just coming into light, a life of what that really means. And I want to help you on that journey. If you have your Bibles, this is going to be the key text of today. I'm going to rest on this. And I'm going to use this as the illustration which it speaks. And I want you to take it away. And I want you to chew it and think about it. And it's found in the prophet Isaiah chapter 49. It says this, he, God, made my words like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. I want you to think about this for a moment because my child fictional hero was Robin Hood. I'm brought up in Nottingham, by the way. So, you know, I, I kind of went running through the fields. My dad made me a bow and arrow. He carved it out of wood. You know, he strung it, you know. And, and there I was. And I just run through it, imagining myself shooting every living thing in the forest. Because that's what boys do, isn't it? You know, things like that. And so I brought up with this. And this, this speaks into that allegory of God is the archer of our life. You know, I mean, if God is the archer, I want you to understand this. You are the arrow. You are designed to penetrate. You are designed to pierce. You are designed to be shot into your future because God has a purpose and a destiny. Arrows are powerful. Arrows are influential. God has designed you to be powerful. God has designed you to be influential. God has designed you to make a difference. He never designed you to be a shadow. He never designed you to live in darkness. He never designed you to be small. He designed you to be the man, the woman of God who he wrote about. I love this. The shaft is polished. You know, our lives are just stories of God polishing us, sharpening us. You know, and that image, you know, if you just want to close your eyes, you sat there in the quiver 
of God, you know, an arrow, a bow and arrow is a powerful weapon. Now, somebody in the church, we won't say who, Alex, has, uh, <laughs> has a bow and arrow, and I asked him to do this. Um, it was really funny because we did a session in young adults, and you had to bring an object to there, which basically kind of shared a little about who you are, and Alex, stand up Alex, he walks in with this. <laughs> And, and the whole evening, we sat there looking, so you can sit down as well. We looked, looked slightly nervous um, at Alex, you know, because was, this was this bring and share moment. And he, he brings in something. And um, he said to us, is that a little wonky? All right. He said to us, I've got some armor-piercing arrows as well, if you want to see them. I said, no, no, I don't think it's necessary. I think we get the idea. Is that all right? And things like that. So Amber, just come here. I kind of want to give you a demonstration. Anybody like archery? Yeah, yes, it's good, isn't it? We dream, we imagine it, isn't it? Now I'm just going to get um, Amber to demonstrate how this... We're not going to notch an arrow, by the way, just for health and safety purposes. Uh, I don't want anyone to die today in the service. All I want you to do is just kind of stand sideways. Right? Are you left or right-handed? Okay, put your hand on the, on the handle there, and you're right, shoulder to shoulder. All right, feet, shoulder and apart. That's good, look that way, right? Okay, <laughs> point the elbow here. Uh, and all you want to do is you've got to pull back the bow. Go on, right back. It's, it's back. That's as far as you can go, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it good? So the current trajectory of your arrow is about 17 feet. <laughs> Thank you. Give Amber a round of applause, isn't it? Abraham's thinking, girls, I can do better than that. Come on, Abraham. <laughs> isn't it right? Okay, there you go. <clears throat> All right, ready? That's not bad, isn't it? You know, that's, that's looking good, isn't it? So uh, Alex, can show us how it's done here? We call Alex the big man for various reasons, because he's got a huge potential in God. <laughs> right, it just shows how to really pull that back. Isn't it? Okay, that's why we're all slightly scared of Alex. <clears throat> it's just the look in his face that does it, isn't it? We'll just leave that there for illustration. So biblically, by the way, just to let you know, in, in the Bible, arrows are often used throughout the Bible, and there's just different um, ways because they're metaphorical, and there's an interpretation of when it's mentioned. We need to understand what God is saying about the bow and the arrow. So the concept of the bow, whenever a bow is mentioned in the Bible, the bow of the mighty is broken. You know, that scripture, actually, which is by Hannah. When Hannah, when she broke through infertility and she gave birth to Samuel, she praised God. You know, and the things that stood against me, God has broken me. God is stronger than the things that stood against me. So the bow talks about strength. Whenever you see the bow in the Bible, it is about strength, you know, and is that whole allegory. So when you see that, that picture should speak to you about strength. And we just want to illustrate that. You just think it's easy to pull back that bow, and it is not, all right, you know. It looks easy, doesn't it? You know, it's not a child's bow. It takes real strength. And, and a strength of a bow is found in the tension of the wire and the heaviness of the bow. The heavier the bow, the more powerful it is. It's just limited by our strength to carry that heaviness. That's the reality. There's no point having a heavy bow. You can't lift up because you're only going to shoot your foot off. 
aren't you? So, and things like that. So that's when we talk about both. We do that. It's used in hunting. It's used in war. You know, and, partic- and arrows as well. They mention, by the way, arrows in, in Australian things. And I'm going to focus on the arrow today. That even arrows are using the concept of divination, you know, of seeking guidance and incorrect guidance from spiritual things. Because they would take a quiver of arrows, you know, and they would pull them out and they would throw them. There's an, there's an arrow in the Bible, throw them on the floor. And then they would read like kaplunk. Anybody ever play kaplunk, isn't it? Or pick up sticks. Anybody play pick up sticks, isn't it? It's like pick up sticks, but they would read the sticks and go, oh, God is saying uh, that on, on that. You know? And so it's not always used in, in the positive, and there's different versions of it. But the one I want to kind of focus on today as to apply is because I want you to understand, and when Isaiah 49 verse 2 says, He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He basically is saying people are arrows. There's also one where words can be arrows, and the words that we say can have destructive, damaging influences on the lives of others. They can also bring healing too. But here the scripture is, you are an arrow. And I want you to imagine here, that is you sitting in God's quiver, because this picture talks about that. You know, I want you to ask the question, how did that arrow get there? You know, how did the arrow get into the bow? That moment when God says, right, I need someone to impact. I need someone to influence. I need someone to make a difference. You know, when he goes, I know exactly who I'm going to use because I need this. You know, I want to tell you this message is dedicated to Hannah and Gareth. Because they have sat in the quiver, you know, of God's design and craftsmanship and growing, you know, and it's only this week that actually they've had been offered the opportunity to be senior pastors up at church in Newbridge in Wales. They got 100% of the endorsement. But the reason it's dedicated to them, because they understand a point, by the way, because they didn't just arrive in the quiver by accident one day. They actually said to God, whatever your plans and purposes are for my life, I am happy to be shaped by you. Because let me tell you, shaping and destiny, you know, because every arrow that you see has a destiny. There's five stages I want to go for an hour on, on how you can shape yourself on purpose into God's hands so that you can get sit ready in the cure. That when he needs someone to make a difference in someone's family or someone's street or someone's area or town or workplace, and when he puts his back, that moment in the film, when he says, I love it, it was, God needed a Gareth. He's ready. But don't make the mistake that you just need to do one thing to get there. I want to talk about five things you need to get through this process of getting ready where God says you're ready. Are you ready for these five things? You want to make a note because I kind of want to build some of the strategies of this church on these five things. That's how clear I feel God is saying. So uh, Liz and Graham, you know, you've been tasked with working together on how to develop the potential of individuals in our church. I think this layers and this will help some of your thinking and some of your design in this process. Well, Number one is every arrow, the first stage is the purpose of destiny. All right? We live in a, a selfish consumer world by which we think it's all about our destiny, it's our mind and destiny. But let me tell you, the arrow serves the archer's purpose. 
The purpose of the arrow is not in the arrow itself. It is in the, the archer, whatever he wants to use. If he's using it for hunting, if he's using it for practice, if he's using it for penetration, if he's using it to set something on fire, if he's going to attach a rope to it so he can climb, whatever the purpose is, it's defined by the archer. And we started our series last month between discovering our purposes. All our purposes are found in God. First and foremost, I want you to understand that God is preparing you for his purpose. I want to get ready. And actually, I want you to know that you have a destiny. In Proverbs 26.10, it says, Employers who hire fools or bystanders are like archers who shoot at random. I love that. I love Proverbs, by the way. You know, because God is not a fool, nor is he a random archer. He doesn't shoot anywhere. He picks you out. And he's looking at everybody and goes, I'm going to pick you out this morning because, I, in fact, he's already picked you out. He's already given you a destiny. You're just in the process of discovery of that destiny. And there's something lying in all of our lives that people... There's a man in the Bible called Jehu who was used to rise up, to take on the spiritual demonic authority at the time of a leadership structure. And he, Jehu was a man of God who listened to the prophetic word of God, who was an archer, who took an arrow, shot dead the king of evil in that generation. He was called for that moment. An incredible story in the Bible. That was his purpose. God used him to take out spiritual darkness. God is going to use some of us in this room to take out spiritual darkness. And we need to go, oh God, that sounds quite exciting. That sounds bigger than me. But God says, don't worry, I've got a plan. I'm going to craft you for that. I'm going to build you. I'm going to shape you. There's a great prophecy about Joseph. Uh, You can read it if you want to find in Genesis chapter 49. Now, Genesis 49 goes through, essentially, the 12 sons uh, of Israel prophesies over all of them. And they're cracking. Imagine, you know, you kinda, I just kind of pulled 12 of you up and then prophesied what God's going to do in all of your life. You know, and there's all these great prophecies. And I don't know if they've happened with something God's spoken over your life. And then it comes to you, and this is your moment when God's going to speak into your life. Uh, and this is, this is what Joseph got, chapter 22. Joseph, you're the foal of a wild donkey. Right, I kind of, I'm like, I wonder if you've ever been disappointed with God's words over your life, isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, that does sound so exciting, isn't it? You know, you know what Aaron means in the Greek? It means wild goat. It's like, thanks, mum. You know, that, 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 that is good. That's a great choice, except it's found in Hebrew, which means strong and firm. I prefer that version of that, so I'm claiming that, you know, uh, maybe there's some wildness in me. I'll leave that for you to judge, you know, the fall of a wild donkey. But then it says, archers attacked Joseph savagely. They shot at him, they harassed him, but his bow remained taut. And his arms were strengthened by the mighty hands of the mighty one. I love that, you know, because Joseph, we know, significant in the history. You know, in this generation, he pulled the boat. He was strong. He held it back. God is looking for you to be a people of destiny who are strong who understand the strength of God, whatever God is calling you to, he's going to give you the strength to do it. This is our journey of discovery. We need to understand first and foremost that the first arrow is understanding that an arrow has destiny. You have destiny. The goal is how do I discover that? The second stage is it's the prototype plan of design. I don't know about notice, but every arrow has been intentionally made. You know, all arrows have an arrowhead. They have a shaft. They have fletchers or fletching which is basically what you call feathers, and they have a knock. Is that right? At the end. (laughs) You don't sound so sure. 
the bit at the end that takes it to the wire. You know, in the arrow, penetration, impact. The shaft, strength and flight. The fletching, accuracy and stability. The knock, energy and momentum. The whole thing is designed to make an input. God has given you gifts and resources. Revelation 4 verse 11 says, For you created all things and they exist because you created what you please. You're created by God to make a difference. You know what there's voices that tell you, just sit down, shut up, you will not make a difference. But God's spirit never says that to me. It always says, Aaron, get up. Stand up, speak up, you know, get out, be the person I've created you to be. And when I had that encounter as a teenager with the Holy Spirit, I suddenly realized this moment in my life, wow, I'm designed to make a difference. Ephesians 1 verse 11, he makes everything work according to his plan. Michelangelo was a great Renaissance sculptor, painter, inventor. He's known for sculpturing David. You know, from the Bible, he says this, Every block of stone has a statue inside it, and the task of the sculptor is to discover it. I love that about God, because God looks at you, right? Okay, when, when an archer is looking to make an arrow, he starts to look at the trees. He looks at the woods and the trees, and he says, I'm going to use that piece of wood to make an arrow. He sees potential. He sees what everybody else doesn't see. He doesn't see the trees. He goes, oh, great. What great building material I've got there that I can make the arrows that I need to make a difference. Michelangelo also said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved it until I set it free. Let me tell you, some of the challenges in your life is God's carving you to set you free so that you can discover your design. He is a master craftsman. The archer crafts his arrows himself. He takes a tree, and there's different types of tree, by the way. Anybody know I'm a geek? Yes. So a cedar is a light straight, workable uh, arrow that's got high velocity. Who's light in the room? Who wants to be straight? Put your hand up if you feel that. Fir, the fir tree, okay? If you have a fir arrow, you're heavier, tougher. Anybody who's a heavier, tougher arrow, you think, yeah, that, that's me, a bit more stronger than the rest. You're also cheaper, uh, by the way. So the fir <laughs> is a cheaper, I, I don't know what that means. I couldn't find an application for a preacher here, but ash is hard, it's impactive. Hickory, we like hickory, doesn't it? It sounds from America, it's, it's heavy, it's strong. Bamboo. I like bamboo the most. It's super light, by the way. When you use bamboo, it's smooth. It's fast. It's what every arrow destines to be, by the way. But it's really difficult to work with. Put your hand up if you sat next to somebody who's really difficult to work with. <laughs> you think sometimes when God is giving you a rough time, that actually it's about a punishment thing. Actually, it's not about that. It's actually God about shaping you. You think when you go through a tough circumstance that God is somehow against you and pushing against you and pushing you down. That is not actually true. Sometimes he's applying pressure into your life to bring out the best in you. Put your hand up if you have troubles. <laughs> so 40% of you telling the truth right now. Every trouble is God who's doing something in your life, who's crafting you. He's making you. We studied in the Young Adults this week about the disciples. You know, what was it about Jesus when he's wandering around that picks the disciples? Did, did they look better than anybody else? 
You know, we actually, in Christian church, we believe that Jesus kind of had this instant download, you know, and, and went around going, knowing exactly who he was going to call into that, you know. Uh, but but I, I don't think the Bible actually says that specifically. We just have assumed because Jesus knows everything, right? Jesus knows everything, and everything is perfect, you know, which is kind of my experience of people is they're not perfect. Have you experienced that too? And you're thinking he's thinking about me, right? Aren't you? I know that, but that's the whole process. But he sees Peter is not perfect. So you have this theory of this great gift theory, you know, that Peter was this born leader, and and Jesus said, that's the type of person I want. Or you have this theory of God's growth theory. I don't know where you sit, you know, there was, there was a man who went to a village, he said to the old man in the village, were any great leaders born here? The old man says, no, only babies. <laughs> yeah? So are we born or are we made? You know, when it comes to God, did Jesus see the actual gift or did he see the aspirational gift? Did Jesus see the presenting ability or the potential attributes? Did Jesus see the disciples' ability or did he see their availability? The answer to that, if you want to get into philosophy, is both. He sees us as an unfinished work. But he sees the greatness within us. He spends his life trying to shape us and craft us and ask our permission of, I've got a purpose for you. Do you want to be crafted? Do you want to be designed? Do you want to be made ready so that I can put you into my bow and use you for great efficiency in the kingdom? Can I ask you, do you? I I do. I, I feel I was made for this moment. We're designed to be developed. The chef talks about our identity. You know, the, 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 the craftsman will take out the warp. Because if it's a warp shaft, it wobbles in flight, never hits its target. The arrows, feathers, the fletching, it talks about character. Because they stabilize flight. Our character stabilizes our flight and our efficiency. The arrows knock at the end. It talks about our relationships. The knock transfers powers into the arrow's momentum. Your relationships, if you've got relationships behind you, you will fly higher and further and faster. If you are connected into people, if you start saying, I can do this alone, I need no one, you lose your efficiency in life. The arrow's point is about mission. The point of the arrow gives it the reason to live. You know, this is the whole thing, the gospel, the great news of Jesus. When we live for God, we realize we are designed for purpose. There's a great scripture in Psalms 12 verse 4. Children are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful it is the man whose quiver is full of them. It speaks about generation. Because he's going to grow up his sons and daughters to be warriors of the king. He sees their potential. I want to honor parents. I want to tell you that you have an incredible, awesome responsibility to raise children to be warriors for the king. This house has a vision. It has a destiny. It has a calling. It has a skill set to raise warriors in this house. You know, Eric, we are proud of you. You're here today. In a sense, you're back home, and we're so proud of you because you are an arrow in God's hands. If you want to know Eric's story, he's got an incredible story of how he, God found him in the forest. And has shaped him. By all odds, it shouldn't be, but God was doing something incredible. He carries out an incredible heart for mission. The third stage of the hour is the process of development. 
You know, arrows are aligned, they're strengthened, they're sharpened. They are cut, they are carved, they are stretched, they are softened, they are steamed, they are straightened, they are crafted. You know, so much goes into this arrow. And it's all about a process of what God wants to do in your life. Sometimes he wants to cut things out of your life. God does that. How many of you have got a sharp tongue? How many of you have understood sometimes the words that you say in people cut people down, cut people dead, and you know we need to be challenged by that. And God says, this, I'm, I'm just going to work on you, and his grace is incredible, but he helps other people, right? Do you know what shapes me the most is when I see the tear in somebody's eye as my words have offended and upset. I've noticed, by the way, that I'm growing the most through people. God sends people into my life, and we have this incredible, perfect mentor who comes in and shapes us. The reality is, you know what? God uses sometimes enemies to shape us. Has anybody ever said or done something, and you, you, go, you don't look like that outside, because you're good, aren't you? And you have an imaginary gun, and you... We get that, don't we? God is shaping us. There's an incredible story in the Bible about David and Jonathan, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 to 4. It says, after David finished talking to him, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond between him, for Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him go home. And Jonathan made a Solomon pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. See, Jonathan is the prince, and David becomes a prince. David's of a different family. He would never be him, but there's a call of God on David's life to be the king of that nation. And I think Jonathan recognizes that. What a secure man Jonathan was. To take off his bow, his symbol of his strength to give him his arrows, to give him his belt, which he's talking about trust, and he gives it to David. You see the story later down the line when there's a death threat against David. Go back to the Easter Sunday message, you know, of the enemy trying to wipe us out before we get to our, our destiny. And you get Jonathan seeing that and actually creating space so that David can live. He takes a young boy out into the field, he shoots an arrow, and it's a coded message using the bow and arrow. And there's, a, there's an understanding from David sends the boy back in and, and they embrace. You read the, the weeping of David when Jonathan is killed in battle because he's aligned loyal to his father and he becomes um, a, a casualty to his father's sins and his father's generation and you hear the tears of David and says the mighty bow of Jonathan has been broken. Uh, it's an incredible relationship. And I want to speak into the life of this church right now because I believe that, that actually strength and arrows and bows are all about a relationship of trust that we need to develop something in this house by which we are being grown and we are growing others. We have mentors and we are mentoring. We have disciples and we are being discipled in the way that God has called us to be. And this applies to everybody here. So there's the question, two questions. Who's mentoring me? Who is growing me? Who is shaping me? Who is crafting me? Start to say to God, God, who is doing that in my life? I need to be shaped. I need to be crafted. And then also have the humility to say, God, who are you calling me to shape? Do not leave the task of shaping this generation to another one. 
to somebody else. You know, look for humility to serve one another and actually to rise up. The, the Christian church all across the world is in the need of mentors, of disciples. You know, this is how Jesus did it. Jesus did not set up a mega church. He didn't build a platform. He didn't put lights up. He just wrote, walked on the road to Emmaus and, and talked about the word of God. We need to look at how we live our lives. You know, because I think leaders, you want to be a leadership. You know what? You, to be an apprentice archer, you need to be a mentor, a developer of making arrows. I love this whole section of the church because we have fun on Monday. It's arrow creation, isn't it? We invite Claire, by the way. Claire spoke on Monday. She, she didn't realize what she was letting herself in for. You know, she got this great message, you know, and it's absolute chaos and bedlam. Right? She puts sweets out on the table. It's a bad thing to put sugar in front of young adults, uh, by the way, because sugar starts to be consumed, and then the sweets start being thrown across the other side of the room. People are trying to catch it in their mouth like seals. And, you know, Claire's trying to bring the word of God, and you're just like... Uh, you know, and she starts, and one of them says, no, no, you can't start, you have to introduce yourself. Oh, she says, oh, my name's Claire. And then you go, no, there's some new ones here. We have to all introduce ourselves. So we all go around, introduce ourselves. And you go, no, no, you can't just say your name when you're in young adults. You have to say something interesting about you. And Claire's like, go, what? You know, and so somebody, one of the students whispers in her ear and going, the icebreaker will do today, right? And actually gives her the icebreaker and says, you have to think of an animal that would lead you into battle. <laughs> Everybody's not seeing the funny side. <laughs> it's just like... So I think it was, who said it, Matt and Matty, was it you two who said we were going to be led into battle with, on a chariot with an army of chinchillas? <laughs> Let me tell you, this is how you develop young adults. <laughs> it's about developing relationship constructs and cultures and environments by which these arrows are bred. We, we have incredible times with God. They can move from fun being in the presence of God like that. If it's a hurt, that their, their, their senses are up. There's something happening in this church by this church's hand. Hannah and Gareth, we're, we're absolutely proud of you. Because we know you've sat in the quiver. We know you've served. You know, in fact, people don't know how much you've served. It's, it's the truth. And how you've been prepared and crafted. And this is what this house does. It doesn't look for heroes in the sense of just people who stand at the front. It looks for heroes who stand at the back and serve irrespective of position or recognition or payment and just do it. That's what this house is built on. The fourth stage of the arrow is the position of deployment. He made my arrows like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. This quiver is where we all need to be today. Ready. For God to use us. Coming to church, I want you to be in God's quiver. God, whatever you want to say to me, whoever you want me to speak to, however you want me to serve, be it shaking hands, be it cleaning floors, be it serving food, be it playing in the band, be it talking to people, be it taking people home, be it following up for coffee in the moon week, be it visiting hospitals, whatever it is, whatever you're asking to do, put me in your quiver because the moment you ask is the moment I'm going to say yes because I want to be deployed into your arrow. You look at the Bible, it's full of people who God grew in the quiver. Moses didn't just arrive one day and go, hi guys, you know, I'm just a leader ready to lead you out. He went through this process. Every hero in the Bible went through this crafting process. No hero in a day in God's things. It's a journey of heroism. It's a journey of faithfulness. 
It's a journey of rising up. And this is the moment when some people suddenly get released into that public domain. And you all go, we are so proud of you that you're actually going to be acknowledged within this role. But there's been serving in this role way before they were acknowledged in the role. Because acknowledgement is not about our purpose. Functionality is. Doing it. It was attributed to Abraham. Righteousness because of his faith. When God says move, what did Abraham do? He moved. He didn't just worship. He didn't just put his hands up and say, God, you're wonderful. What a great download. He picked up his family and he moved. This is a cost for you, isn't it? Man alive. There's a cost of loss. There's a cost of investment. We were talking on the way in about cost. We're planting a church in Exmouth. It's costly at the moment. And yet we feel the call is to pay more, to invest more into what God is asking us to do because of the destiny that we're reaching into Exmouth. You know, I need more people. I need more archers. You know, when Hannah and Gareth go, it leaves the gap. Claire is being sent off to Minnesota. I, I'm proud of that. I'm supportive of that. But I, I need to know, I need more archers in my bow. People say, I'm there, Aaron. Whatever you need, I am there. And let me tell you what it needs. It means on Sunday afternoon when you want to sleep, have a team of archers who are there in the, in, in the quiver going, well, Aaron, come on, we're going to go down. There's lots of things that we can serve. I want to finish with the last stage, and it's the power of delivery. It's the moment of release. It's the moment God pops you in his arrow. It's the moment of tension. It's the moment of momentum. It's the moment of submission. If you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 49 with an arrow in mind, it's an incredible read, by the way, because you will see the writing go from the quiver into the bow, into a prophetic word for the nation as it shoots into their future. Just, think, just imagine an arrow. You'll see the whole, the whole narrative change. This is your moment, church, to be the person that God has called you to be, to be the people God has called you to be. If one of us picks up this message and says, I'm going to be the arrow, that's called one person, that's an attitude. You know, if we all do it, we develop a culture. I'm not just targeting the singular today, I'm targeting the culture in the church that will recognize we have a destiny, that will recognize that we are being deployed we are being developed we are being discovered in God's hands there's a phrase in the Bible that's repeated in the fullness of time you know it's translated in other verses and it came to pass the appointed time you can define it as this there's two words in the Bible called chronos and kairos chronos talks about what's you're looking at your watch right now Josh is leading, so he's very aware. I'm very aware. I'm chronos watching. Time clicks, clicks, clicks. Who realizes our time is clicking away too fast? Do you ever feel that? We haven't got enough time, and yet it's the same. Click, click, click. Kairos is a different translation. It's about the appointed time. There are moments in our life called Kairos moments when we know God is doing something here. Let me tell you, we're in a Kairos moment in the church. Kairos moment. You're in a Kairos moment. Simon, you're in a Kairos moment in launching your t-shirt design today. You understand the quiver. You understand the darkness. You understand the frustration. You understand getting ready for this moment. And the moment we pushed the button and that, that website went live through his t-shirts. This is this moment. He starts to fly. 
We need to get on board and see what he's doing. And even if you just share it on your Facebook or your Instagram, Twitter, something like that, you can help each other kingdom business fly because it's an hour. It's a Kairos moment. We need to turn from Kronos to Kairos to recognize today is the moment. I want us all to stand right now. And you can participate in this or you can just sit quietly. Standing is not the participation. Close your eyes. Acknowledge in a moment to saying, God, this is the moment I want to give to you. This is you and God. I want us to do it together. It's simple. Do you want to be an arrow? Crafted in God's hands, placed in his quiver, ready for service. Think about what that means. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us now. Let's just worship.